Podcast Network presents Poco Loco. Hello everybody and welcome to the Poco Loco Podcast uh, presented by NorthPass Podcast Network. We are the new kids on the block for your El Paso locomotive coverage. take this moment to pay uh, homage to Seriously Loco. Uh, what they've been doing from the very beginning of this club uh, is fantastic. What The way that they've been able to grow um, and what they do for the club is all really special. Uh, but we just want to offer something a little bit different. Our episodes are going to be between 20 and 30 minutes. Uh, we're going to do a recap of the game that happened. We're going we're gonna to preview the game that's coming up. Um, all in kind of a bite-sized little block here, which is why, you know, hence the word Poco Loco. Um, And we just, you know, hope that we think that there's room uh, for a growing club to have someone else covering um, that loves the club. And so that's why we're here. I am Josh, your host, and I am here with who I imagine is going to frequent the podcast, uh, Keith. Keith is here joining me by phone. Eventually we will have him in a more audio-friendly medium, uh, but for this episode, that's what he's going to be here for. Why don't you introduce yourself, Keith, and tell us how you came to the locomotive, other than being from El Paso, of course. What's going on? Uh, let's see. Well, yeah, I, I'd like to frequent this. This would be a cool place to kind of be a little freaking flyer on. Um, let's see. Where I found the club? I was a little bit of a late bloomer, right? So I took some years away from the sport in general, and then... Ironically, I think I was with, with you, actually, when I kind of found my way back to it with the Nations League final uh, between U- U.S. and Mexico. You remember that one? Yeah, of course. So, and after that, I was like, you know what? It's like, why did I ever, like, stop watching full-time, keeping up with it? I always kept tabs with it. But then from there, it just kind of made sense, you know, okay, well, we got it. We got a club right here. So, at, like, midway later on through season three of the club, um, just by chance, I figured, okay, well, let's just kind of start watching and seeing this what's going on here and at that point it was actually right when uh rico from the eighth match had passed and then seeing like the whole literally the whole stadium like kind of come together for that i was like oh dang okay there's something bigger here like this this is real and then immediately within maybe like a week afterwards uh club veteran uh seven velasquez yeah came into my work and you know we started talking there shortly afterwards um one of the head of productions, Juan, kind of came into the club and or came into my work and started talking from there. And then afterwards, you know, made it to a game and seven wins the winning goal. And just for me, it was like within like what three, four weeks, just an insane sequence of events. And I was like, I'm in. Like this is a lifer right here. <laughs> yeah, I I cannot claim either to be uh you know I I have not been a staunch supporter from day one. I I didn't even live here uh, year one, although I'm from El Paso, but. I only it only took me a couple games when I did start going to get hooked. Uh, very very similar. I am an avid sports fan, uh, as you are. We have some different tastes of what our, our favorite sports are, but uh, ultimately we agree on the locos and and a lot of a lot of soccer in general. Um, you come from a wrestling, a professional wrestling world, and I kind of come from a hockey soccer world, and so. I think it's good to see the takes uh, from both sides, but 
the one thing we definitely agree on is uh, that we love this club, which is why I'm excited to kind of get to talking about it and have a platform to really discuss with people and kind of build something here. And, and, you know, like, like I said, uh, seriously, Loco does a great job. They, and they've been doing it for a long, long time and it, and their product is, is special. I don't think that all clubs have something like that, but with a growing club, I should bring some, some growing coverage as well. And we hope to provide that. So I think we just dive right in with some things that I had asked you about that we were going to cover the first one. And this is, you know, not super hard hitting journalism. How do you feel about the club overall in, in regard to their chances to make the playoffs last year? If you don't know, we finished in seventh place. We barely, and we finished in eighth place, barely missing the playoff spot. That is the seventh place uh, finished with a record of 13, seven and 14, 13 wins, seven draws, 14 losses. And we were literally tied on points with the Oakland roots who made it into the playoffs we just missed out on goal differential, which I believe was one. I think it was literally a one goal it differential. Uh, yeah, so they had 51, conceded 46. We had 56, conceded 52. Ultimately, a goal differential of five versus four. So so one goal would have made the difference, or two, I guess, if you want to get technical. So that's our past. How do you feel about the team's chances to make the playoffs this year? Do you think we've gotten better? I'm not too sure how much, because last year it seemed like just such a wild card year in like every single way you can measure that. Because uh, we were scoring a lot last year, but we were just getting scored on a lot also. And I do think we've gotten some help in the back. Because, uh, I mean, think of it this way. I mean, Evan Newton was a, you know, a town hero for a large chunk of that. And, that, and I think at that point he shouldn't have had to have been in that position as often. And I do think there's been a couple of steps made to kind of try to ensure that. Um, still some mystery, so I don't know how high up, how much higher we'll go up will be, but I definitely think you know, we actually do have a solid chance of making playoffs because as much of a wild card year that was, we, we were still in the hunt, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and so just for, you know, we scored a lot of goals. There were only two teams in the conference that scored more goals than we did. Uh, the San Diego Loyal, led by Landon Donovan, um, and then uh, and Colorado. Colorado Springs scored 59 goals. The Loyal scored 68. But the difference is that San Antonio, who obviously went on to win everything, only scored 54 goals. They scored two goals less than us, but they only gave up 26 goals, and we gave up 52. So, yeah, yeah, huge. And, and so I think that that's going to be the key to moving forward. And I, and I think that, you know, yes, I think we got better, specifically Mark Navarro coming in. Um, yes, that's my pick. That's my I think that's kind of the obvious one, too. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. But uh, but he, he it's for a reason, right? And, and people will eventually find out I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for European football. And so anybody that's coming over from Europe already has my, you know, I'm excited about that person coming over. Um, but he played, he played at the top flight in Europe. Um, in in Spain, and and for him to land with us is exciting. I think uh, Ander Egulus also played for a club in the top flight, uh, but did not make top flight appearances. Where Mark Navarro has actually done that, kind of unbelievable when we landed him. And so uh, I hope that, that he helps a lot. Like it's 
a little bit of like, how do we get here? How do we how do we manage to nail this? And it's it's exciting because, uh, I mean, the heart of the backfield it's you know Yuma, and it's kind of uh, almost what is it? I don't want to say he's aging out of it, but he's definitely embracing a new role in here. And I think Mark Navarro is a perfect person for him to like kind of because I love the fact that Yuma's not giving it up. You know, he's not stepping aside, and that he's you know, stepping up to the plate because you know that that's our captain. <laughs> So, yeah, love the tenacity, and I love the fact that you know they got someone like Mark Navarro to kind of really kind of bring that out of Yuma as well too. And I think you know those two as a tandem are going to be insane. Well, and I think I think as much as we loved Andrew Fox, and Andrew Fox was loved by the club, and you know I think yes. he probably will be for a long time. Uh, he was not a natural center back, and and he played a lot there, and I I think he's just more more suited out wide, and. And he just, you know, he, he didn't look as comfortable there as he did in other positions, although I thought he played pretty well. But the jump from Fox to Navarro is clearly an upgrade, uh, which, again, is not a, a slight against Andrew Fox, who I think was fantastic. Um, but but Mark Navarro coming from, um, from the top flight in Spain and, and being able to have that kind of profile and then steadying him uh, next to Yuma, who, who, again, is just so important, I think is, is big. Um, and on the outside, uh, we will probably have Artem Kolod, uh, who is, um, our Ukrainian right back. Um, Miles Lyons probably will back up Ader Borelli on the left. And then we also got in Eric McHugh, who I want to talk about a little bit, um, was brought in from the, uh, well, well played for the Houston Dynamo, um, seems absolutely ready to take on a starting role. Uh, at this level and I think we could see him a lot either in a center back pairing or out wide or when Mark Navarro uh, plays a little bit of right back which I've heard he might do then we will see Eric McHugh as well. Andre Agulus is back. Um, I was a little bit disappointed with him last year in the chances that he got. We also have uh, Benz Pavkovics. I hope I got that right uh, who is going to be featuring. Uh, I, I think he's more of a defensive midfield type but we'll see um, and that's our defense. And also a little I mean, wild card. Not necessarily a defender, but I mean, Chapa's back, and sometimes he drops back pretty far. Um, so he can be, you know, in a pinch, um, able to kind of multitask it a little bit, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think Chapa is is perfectly capable of playing on, on that outside uh, on the flank defensively. Um, and, and very well could, depending on how things go. And Chapa will take us into the midfield, um, because he can kind of play, uh, I mean, he, I, I mean, wingers, midfielders, right. But, but he can kind of play in a more central role as well. He's very diverse. Um, the other listed midfielders here, and we'll just kind of go Joel, Mal Joel Maldonado and Diego Abarca babies. We, we saw them last year debut as 16 year olds. Uh, Diego Abarca had an incredible goal in his appearance. In one of his appearances that he made, uh, we brought in Peter Petrovic, who is going to be playing in the central midfield. Liam Rose, who was here last year, played in the central midfield and at right back a little bit. Uh, Chris Garcia, who's who's on the wings, um, will do everything he can to help out uh, Aaron Gomez, um, Dennis Kostishin, who comes over from Europe, defensive midfielder, 
uh, Chaparrero we talked about, and then Eric Calvillo, who played in the defensive midfield a little bit last year, but he uh, succeeded more. He had more success when he was able to go up front a little bit. And then the guy that I want to talk about, Luis Moreno, who comes to us as another uh, very you know reminiscent of, of Diego Luna. He comes over as a capped uh, U.S. national team member for the under-17s. Super exciting. Another guy where you kind of go like, man, I, I can't believe that we got him. And he plays somewhere where we need him. And and so I'm excited about that. What do you have about the midfield? I think it's pretty solid. We have our own homegrowns that, like you said, you know, Diego Barca fired an absolute rocket, made him top 10 of Football Americas. Um, Liam Rose, who we kind of didn't really see as much as we wish we could have last year due to, you know, work and visa and everything like that. Um, but when he came on, you know, you, you, could, you could tell a little bit of a difference. The big one, I guess big two for me, is, like I said, Luis Moreno and Eric Alvillo. I think, okay, somehow, for some reason, and then, like, when Alvillo comes back in the national break with El Salvador, he's just firing on all cylinders. Like, he just has a hot streak. Yeah. And one thing that's kind of reoccurring through a lot, a lot of the season is Nations League. Last year, it was World Cup qualifiers. This year is Nations League, um, you know, a tournament that's really geared for countries like El Salvador and, and, and lower, but he, I think he's going to get prominent time uh, playing internationally, and it's going to carry on through here, and I, I'm excited for him. Luis Moreno, like you said, when it was, like, we nailed this signing. Late addition, and I don't think they will make a move this late if it wasn't for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that it's uh, very important to – you know, build the roster with a little bit of patience. Um, but when an opportunity uh, like this comes, you know, that's why you build it with patience. We had a roster spot uh, for him. We were probably able to say, look, man, you can play if you come here. You're not going to be spending your season sitting on the bench. And so uh, I'm, I'm very excited about that. And, and like you said with Liam Rose, you know, he had to move to right back because of injury. I think, again, I don't think he's – a defensive midfielder I think naturally he's just not a pivot I think he's a central midfielder that that does better when he's more attack oriented kind of will play in the Mares role a little bit I imagine um same thing with Calvio um who who loves that role you can just tell that that he thrives there and then forward oh no go ahead sorry so one thing that I think kind of stands out a little bit different from this midfield than last year's um, and part of its difference in system is just control. Um, I Like you said, kind of building out patiently, I think this team's going to have more patience too. Kind of like a little bit of a hybrid style between how Mark and Hutch kind of ran their systems. Um, because, I mean, like you said, like, Liam Rose can play it upward. Calvillo loves to play it upward. But, you know, with, you know, your guys like Abarca, like Maldonado, who, you know, they're not the largest, they're not physical, so they're going to have to finesse and really control the ball and kind of dish it out in different directions. I think it's going to be a more, I guess, flexible and controlling midfield than we had last year, too. Yeah, I agree. And and I think that we've had success as a club playing with a high back line. And if you have the right coverage, uh, you're able to do that and push those midfielders into a place where they're not running backwards all the time to, to cover. You know, they... they can be a little bit more creative. They can take some more risks. And and another reason I'm just so excited about, about Mark Navarro. For the forwards, two guys that uh, 
are really at this point, I mean, you have to kind of call them, you know, we're, we're a very young club, but as far as legends go at the club, these, both of these guys are uh, going to be in that conversation. Uh, Lucho and uh, Josue Aron Gomez, they have been here and, and scoring goals and on the field together, uh, scoring goals for quite a few years now, and, and they're back. I think that it's good to have, to have a steady hand at, at certain positions and striker certainly I, I'd rather not rotate our strikers every year these guys can get it done Lucho particularly can get it done in the air and on the ground Aron Gomez you know just great on the ball and then they have uh, Ricardo Zacharias and Emmanuel Sanupe listed as forwards the Sanupe plays on the wing Zacharias will play on the wing as well I wonder if one of them moves a little bit more to a, a central role but I doubt it uh, as long as we're healthy, who are you most excited to watch as far as these forwards are concerned? The nines, the nines. Uh, that, I mean, how many of our goals came from that position last year? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I, I think that'll continue. I don't see any reason why it shouldn't. The, that's some chemistry, you know. Everyone, the large truck of that, that midfield, kind of, they were there, you know. Like I said, Abarca was able to feed some in. Chapa for the Livingston who was there for real. They know how that, where they're going to be and where to place it. And as long as you put it in that spot, I mean, we've seen it. They'll score. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, as far as as far as the wings are concerned, Emmanuel Sanupe, when you watch him, he you're kind of amazed because he's he's incredibly fast, covers a lot of ground. He does some cool things on the ball, but just he just didn't produce very much. I'm wondering why that is, and if it's been fixed. Obviously, the club to bring him back felt like there was something there to to continue to to try to figure out. And and then when you've got guys like like Borelli, who are also, I mean, Borelli offers a lot to the attack, in spite of of or despite him being really good defensively as well. He just offers so much in the attack on the left side. Um, and so you're excited that he's back. And the same thing with Miles Lyons, who offers a lot coming down the flank from a defensive position. And I saved our goalkeepers for last because I also feel like this is the biggest question mark on the team. We've got Javier Garcia and Benny Diaz. Javier Garcia comes to us from Rio Grande Valley FC. He made 13 appearances for them last year, including an appearance against us. And then Benny Diaz, who comes to us from Cholos on loan. He has only ever made five appearances for Cholos, I think. He made some appearances in the USL last year. I don't know who's starting. I don't know of anyone, you know, outside the club. Or, I mean, I guess if you went and saw, you know, the, the scrimmages and that kind of stuff, then you have some kind of idea, although there was a lot of limited access to those as well. But but kind of kind of a question mark here, man. And, and so I want to know what you think uh, about who's going to start and who you're kind of rooting for uh, just a couple more things on them real quick. Diaz made his appearances last year for the Oakland roots. He made 13 appearances um, and he's made five for Cholos. He made them in the pandemic year in 2020. Benny Diaz is 24 years old, I believe. And this is going to be the first time I'm not ready. I believe Javier Garcia is also 24 years old. Let me make sure that that's the fact. Yes. Also 24 years old. Uh, so who you have starting and, and how do you think this uh, this shapes up? Because like you said, Evan Newton, man, hometown hero, not hometown, but but El Paso hero uh, last year was just phenomenal and constantly under attack. 
This is a hard one. I mean, you said it. It's a question mark. Um, I'm leaning towards Benny Diaz, but that's just because I feel like there's a little more info on him readily available. Um, as far and plus he's you know played, he knows the league, knows some of the other you know attackers that he's going to be playing against this year. You know, more direct knowledge of what's what's coming. Um, but that's kind of all I got to go off of, really. Uh, one thing goalkeepers hasn't really ever been one that we've had a question about, you know, between Logan Ketterer and, and Evan Newton. And this is the first time it's not as, you know, set in stone going into it. You know, we by now we usually have an idea of, okay, who, who are we going with? What, what What's backing them up? And they could go either way this time. So, like, I, I could be completely wrong in that, like, hunch. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be uh, Benny Diaz. And, and, again, you said it. We just know more about him. Javier Garcia made six appearances 21-22 for Rio Grande Valley. And when when he was signed, you and I both went like, okay, like, uh, you know, definitely going to be coming in as a backup. And then when we signed Benny Diaz and those were our goalkeepers, it was like, well, I mean, one of these guys is going to get the opportunity of a lifetime because uh, we came in here with a hugely experienced netminder last season who, who – was worth every bit of effort that it took to get him here on loan. I wasn't surprised that he didn't come back. I, I think that, you know, I, I think he had a little bit of a rough relationship with the fans there right at the beginning, you know, and, and so I, I think he definitely felt the love towards the end of the year. I just don't, I think it may have been just a little bit too, too little too late. Um, and so I wasn't surprised he came back. I am surprised that these are our guys going into the season. I, I hope that they... Uh, prove any doubters that they have wrong and they're they're fantastic i think it's going to be benny diaz between the sticks when we walk in there on saturday as far as saturday is concerned we do have sacramento republic fc last year they were they were fourth in the conference uh when they went to playoffs uh record of 15 8 and 11 so really not that much different really only a couple games difference between them and us uh, literally nine points, so I guess more a couple more than a couple games, but really not that much. And uh, and it's always, you know, there there's certain teams that even though they're maybe not our direct rivals, it's always good to see them because there's some hostility. And I really feel like Sacramento is one of those teams. Uh, I feel like Detroit is one of those teams, and so we get both of them here coming up quick. And uh, and I'm excited about that. Where when is the first game you plan on being at live? I was I'm trying to see if they can this Saturday. It's not 100% yet. Um, if not, Detroit's at home, right? Detroit is at home, and then there's a Wednesday game in between. I know we have this, like, an insane schedule to start. Yeah, it's the, the 11th Sacramento Republic at home, Saturday, March 18th against Detroit, and then... Also, the 15th, we are home against Colorado Springs. I will not be able to make the Colorado Springs game because I'm coaching a soccer game, um, and I don't think I'll be out in time. Valid, valid, valid. But I have uh, – I will be at – I'll be at the game this Saturday, and then I will be at Detroit next weekend. I will never, ever forget no one cares about El Paso. I, I won't ever uh. – It'll it'll live in my heart uh, forever, and so every time Detroit's in town, I want to be there heckling them. Yeah, I can't. I still can't believe that happened. (laughs) 
yeah, I mean, it's it's obnoxious. Uh, and then um, one thing that's fun about Sac Republic, um, they are you know defending U.S. Open Cup runner-ups. So yeah, there's a little there's a little bit of respect to be put there, and it seems like we're going to be doing this dance forever with them. So last year we. It, they, to me, they were a barometer last year because we started out, you know, on a terrible pull with them and then kind of came back around midseason and pulled it back together. And right. I kind of think it's going to be a little bit of the same this year, using them as the barometer, um, for me at least, because we, I think we play on um, once a day and once near the end, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it kind of does a reverse um, instead of playing them in the beginning and then in the middle. And then... Um, and no, I, I, I think it's a great test. I think it's a great test to see where we're at going into the season. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm excited. It looks like it's going to be uh, a very good home opener, um, competitive home opener. Uh, we see fifth that year. team. Go ahead, go ahead. The fifth year too? Yeah, yeah. Fifth year of, of our existence here uh, in El Paso. Just a lot of really exciting things. I think this is why I was super uh, motivated to get this started as well. I think this club has places to go. The support has been pretty amazing. It's growing. The support is growing. You used to see very few El Paso locomotive things around when you were just out in the city. I see them a lot, and it makes me very happy. Uh, I try to support my local stuff as often as possible. And uh, we will see that team up north. We won't see them until Saturday, June the 3rd. So that'll be a little bit of a wait. And we also don't get Rio Grande Valley uh anytime soon either we'll get them actually after new mexico united we'll actually see new mexico united twice before we see rio grande valley once we won't see rio grande valley until too, i think also right that what and san antonio is also a little bit further too if i'm not mistaken we have san antonio on july the 12th but before that we have them on june the 10th so but before that nothing so we are going to be playing a lot of teams that we're not as familiar with. We've got Pittsburgh. We've got, well, I mean, we saw San Diego Loyal twice last year, but uh, we've got Pittsburgh. We've got Louisville. We've got Tulsa. Um, all before we get to those kind of rivalry games with the other Texas teams and that team from up north. And, uh, well, and that'll be excited well, uh, too. US Open Cup fixture. Yeah, we are away at, uh, I forgot who our opponent is. I should Omaha. probably know this. Oh, yeah, Omaha. Um, who are no slouch. They are not going to be a pushover. Um, and so that uh, exciting as well. I was hoping, um, well, I mean, we'll still get to watch it. I, I want to host a cup game. So they've got to win. They've got to win this first one. And then so we can. one, if not two, depending on the draw. Um, if we win one, it depends on the draw for the second round. If we win two, then we're more than likely hosting an MLS club on the third. Um, depending on what happens with like a Phoenix and uh, the team of North, that's kind of how it works. Um, where the lower lower tier team hosts, I guess I mean, it makes sense to kind of boost um, sales for that club until later on when it's a complete draw of who gets it. Yeah, and I I think that that's uh, that's an exciting prospect. I I cannot wait to have uh, some cup games. I kind of like the atmosphere of winner go home. Um, it just creates, you know, a, a different a different place there at the stadium. Um, and finally, to end the show, just very briefly, because I know very little about him, we have a new head coach. Last year, we well, we had Mark two years ago, 
and he left for the Indy 11, which was uh, unfortunate. Um, he didn't leave. I don't think he left with hostility. I, I think he's still loved by the fan base. I think he still loves the fan base. But it was disappointing because he it, it felt like kind of a lateral move. It's not like he went to for to join an MLS club. He went to another USL club. But anyway, uh, then we go to one more time. And he took some guys with him too, so that was the major players that we kind of lost in that regard. Yeah, took some guys with him, um, and and it, you know, kind of seeming like for what? Like why? Why? Why is is Indy? Somewhere where you want to be. And it's not like they were hugely successful last year either. Hutchinson in. Uh, he had a bad season. Let's just, there's no way around it. A lot of, of um, uh, not just the record. I mean, the record wasn't that bad. But what was bad was not living up to our potential. And then, obviously, the row that was created with Richie Ryan. And, uh, and you know, we've, we've kind of cleared some of that up. Or maybe it's not Hutch's fault. But ultimately... I just don't think that he had the locker room. I don't think the players liked him or responded to him very well, which brings us to Brian Klarhout. Um, I think that's how you say his name, right? Sounds about right. Uh, he comes to us from Europe where he actually guided a team to promotion, which is an extremely difficult thing to do. He he was responsible for bringing Gif Sunsvall up uh, promotion in uh, in Europe, and then had a very hard time in the top flight over there in Sweden, uh, where he lost like a lot of games um, and and was fired because it looked like they were going back down. But for a USL club, um, it looks like it's a pretty fantastic hire, um, and I'm I am. I, very few times with any in any sport for any situation, am I going to sit there and say I'm not going to give the new head coach a chance? I don't know enough about this guy to not give him a chance, so I'm going to remain excited until proven otherwise as far as the head coach is concerned. That's kind of where I'm at too. I kind of said I just had a little piece when I said I think he's going to bring a little bit of a hybrid style um, because, like I said, Mark was very much methodical. Price was very much press, press, press for better or worse sometimes. But if there's one thing he did bring out, it's you know, speed and tenacity. Our guys did gain a lot of that with him. And what I think Hutch's style wasn't really fit for the American system. You know, super chemistry, super demanding base, and we just don't have the depth or even the longevity of players because they get moved around. You know, the club doesn't move up or down, the players do. Um, you know, with, uh, with Brian. I honestly think he's got a better understanding of what it means to coach here, considering, you know, he, he's been here before. He's been in the States before. Um, he kind of has a little bit better of a dynamic with that. Yeah, and, and you know, this is not I, – I don't want this to sound xenophobic, right, but he's from the – like he was born in the United States. I just think that Hutch not only was not from here, just was not familiar with the game. You know, coached a lot in Japan and a lot in Australia – it's just a different game, and it's a different culture, and it's a different place to be. Um, and so I think, you know, just being an American and not having that culture shock is going to is gonna help us a little bit as well. And he has coached uh, for the Connecticut Huskies College, Temple Owls College, uh, before he went over to Europe and coached over there. So uh, has some familiarity with, with that kind of stuff as well. I think that that is going to – I've already gone over what I was going to – 
I, I, we were supposed to do 30 minutes. We've gone over a little bit. Obviously, it was a big episode, a lot to cover. We'll try to trim it down. Um, but I, I think it was, um, I think it was energetic. It was quick, and and uh, and that's ultimately where we were going for. Uh, make sure that you check us out um, on all of your podcast platforms that will be up. Make sure that you like, subscribe, anything that you can do to kind of get the word out there. Uh, give us a follow on social media. All of that will be at Poco Loco Podcast, um, and uh, and it'll be good. We look forward to. Uh, talking to you guys here soon. We look forward to interacting with the community uh, and covering this first game. I cannot tell you how excited I am just to be underway and playing again. Uh, anything that you want to tell the audience or talk about before we sign off, Keith? Um, no, I think we kind of got most of it. I mean, this episode was kind of a little bit of, okay, this is where we've been. This is where I think we're headed. Ultimately, it comes down to, okay, let's just beat the teams in front of us. That's all you can do. Um, and, you know, second division in the states, it's a little bit of tricky because you know the whole point of it is really to push players up and out, uh, and that's when you're you know, doing your job as a club. Uh, so it's it's a delicate balance, and it's difficult to accomplish. But I think I think we're on the right track to kind of get that going. It's an exciting time. It's the fifth year in milestone uh, that also coincides with the tenth year of the Chihuahuas. So you know, there's just some stories there you just can't. It's a perfect coincidence, you know, a perfect storm, and I think this is a good year for it. Absolutely. Can't wait to see how it unfolds. Thank you for being here, my friend. I look forward to 